Let me ask you, the government actually has an estimate of how many stray dogs are in Taiwan. What was their estimate for last year? Stray dogs in Taiwan mm -hmm. last year. I think you need to go first, Leslie. Um, Take a wild <laughs> guess. Stray dogs, like 250,000? Okay. I'm going to say, oof, that's a good guess. 250,000. Okay, 249,999. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a look at the answer. Yes, I win. You're 100, closer. 146,773. That's They're very good. specific, right? Yeah, it's very specific. <laughs> How do they get that kind of a specific guess? I don't guess? know. They do it by... by What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? In late summer, 1884, the seaside town of Danshui held its breath. French warships blockaded its harbor, and word came that a French force had taken nearby Keelong. Then, the tension finally broke with a violent bombardment of the town on October 2nd. Following that, on October 8th, came an attempted French landing. The Battle of Danshui was bloody, but the defenders managed to repulse the landing force and stop the invasion. On October 26th and 27th this year, just over 135 years from the actual events, the Golden Bow Theater Troupe reenacted the story of the battle live. Their stage was the Huwei Fortress Park, an outdoor area that stands less than a kilometer from the battlefield itself. For local audiences, the battle is now a familiar subject. This is the second play the troupe has done about the battle in the last 10 years, and other troops have also started writing their own adaptations of the story. What is it about this battle that warrants so many retellings? And is this sort of historical reenactment common in Taiwan? To find out, I've called up Wang Rongyu, the director of the Golden Bow Troops October production. The story of the battle starts in an unlikely place, Vietnam. France wanted it as a colony, but Imperial China considered it a vassal. In 1884, the issue spiraled into a war, the Sino-French War. France soon sent forces beyond Vietnam, going after Imperial Chinese targets. These targets included Taiwan, much of which was then under Imperial rule. The war ended the following year, and French forces left Taiwan. The Battle of Danshui, it turns out, is just a small part of the story. But it's a small story that attracts attention. This is largely because of the colorful cast of characters the battle drew together. There were Imperial Chinese officers and their men, boosted by rough-and-ready local militiamen. There were the French forces, too, some of whose number are still buried here today. There were ordinary local people just getting on with their lives. And because Danshui was a gateway for international trade, there was a range of neutral foreign eyewitnesses as well. Merchants, missionaries, and diplomats. 
The range of big personalities involved and the records they left behind give dramatists a lot to work with. It may be almost too much material. Condensing this story into an hour or two of theater is a real task. It says a lot that Mr. Wang's troupe has pulled off this feat twice already. The troupe's first show about the battle, put on 10 years ago, was a first in Taiwan, something no one here had ever done before. Taiwan has had its share of period pieces, but they're mostly in movies and TV. This was a live theatrical reenactment of actual events in the same place where the story unfolded. It was groundbreaking, and it spawned something of a local tradition with other troops taking over. You might think retelling the same story would get a bit repetitive, but each show has had something new to offer. For instance, the Golden Bow troops returned to the battle this year told a new version of the story, beefed up with the latest in historical research. After the last play, experts wrote in with their assessments, giving advice on what parts to revise. The last 10 years have also seen the uncovering of many new details about the battle, including small sketches that give the story a more human touch. Mr. Wang credits playwright Sher Lu Fang, the author of the new show, with cramming all these details into an easily digestible piece of theater. This new play is heavily based on records, especially a diary kept by British tea merchant John Dodd. The Lancashire native's account of life in blockaded Danshui is extremely detailed. There are regular updates on weather conditions, barometer readings, reports of what people are talking about, and even transcriptions of correspondence. Not surprisingly, he has a big role to play in this story. Also appearing in a prominent role is Canadian missionary George McKay, a figure who still looms large in local history. McKay's first Taiwanese convert gets the spotlight too. This woman was played by an actor from the world of Taiwanese opera, a person Mr. Wang describes as a national treasure. He says her character adds an element of motherly love to an otherwise violent story of war. Underscoring the story is music by composer Tang Shenjun, a winner of Taiwan's prestigious Golden Melody Awards. The music largely follows the conventions of contemporary musical theater, but it's musical theater with a strong Taiwanese accent. Traditional musical genres like the raucous Beiguan, the refined Nanguan, and popular Taiwanese opera have all been mined for inspiration. Echoes of these forms are strategically placed through the action to give a Taiwanese flavor appropriate to the period. One commander, for instance, is given a few lines in a traditional theatrical idiom that the man himself would likely have found familiar. The cast was a special mix of professionals and local amateurs. The first play 10 years ago had had an all-amateur cast, 183 strong. But for the second play, the troupe hoped for what Mr. Wang describes as an upgrade. They wanted to bolster these amateur numbers with a bit of professional talent. 
So in October, around a dozen highly acclaimed fixtures of Taiwan's theater world joined 120 locals, a cross-section of the people who make Danshui their home today. Mr. Wang says directing such a mix of people was a real challenge, but after three months of intensive rehearsals, every last cast member had gotten their roles down perfectly. One question we still haven't answered is what has brought the Golden Bow Troupe back to the Battle of Danshui ten years after its first groundbreaking performance. The story is compelling, but Mr. Wong says that's not the reason they've chosen to reenact it a second time. The real reason is a huge demand for a new retelling from local audiences and officials. It's not that the battle has been forgotten and rediscovered. That's not it at all. In fact, Mr. Wong says, around Ghost Month each year, locals still leave out offerings for the dead of both sides because tradition holds that the spirits of those who met a nasty end or weren't buried properly require appeasing. Still, though, for a long time, the battle wasn't given its due. Mr. Wang says that for many years, history in Taiwan meant focusing on the big picture of Chinese history. This was a history that largely overlooked events that happened here on Taiwan, or at best treated them as footnotes. In recent years, though, things have changed. Local people in places like Danshui have begun dusting off and treasuring pieces of the past that they can claim as their own. There's a thirst for this kind of local story. And this is why the Golden Bow Troupe was invited to come back and perform the story of the battle a second time. Ten years ago, when the troupe put on its first play about the battle, live historical reenactments were something completely new in Taiwan. I asked Mr. Wong if the idea has caught on in the decades since. He says yes. To his knowledge, there's at least one other town, the town of Pingzhen in Taoyuan, that's put on a play reenacting its own battle, a failed 1895 resistance drive against Japanese colonization. Shows like this one vary in their scale, and Taiwan is still a long way from having the full range of historical reenactors and living history groups you'll find overseas. But on the stage, at least, there are signs of a new interest in bringing scenes from the past back to life. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. This is Victoria. From the London Underground to the Taipei Metro, the people of our world are going places. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Stroke of Light, a portrait of Taiwan through the eyes of painters, sculptors, filmmakers, and photographers. Hello and welcome back to Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chen. We have been exploring the latest work of veteran oil painter Xie Hongjun for the last few weeks. We've talked about how she deliberately challenges the many conventions of oil painting in her own work. What is even more interesting is that her unique aesthetics both triggers rather different emotional responses from the viewer and it leads us to explore her psyche. 
When we look at the oil painting with a traffic sign pattern running across the middle, a question that I'm sure many of us asked at that point was, what experience led the artist to create something this unique? With that question in mind, let's take a look at the artist's own statement. She states in the introductory literature for the exhibition that her inspiration comes from a variety of experiences that she had had in her life. She talks about walking her dog on university campus and how the dog was still attracted to rotten meat even years after being rescued as a stray. But it's not so much that experience per se that drives her to make paintings, but rather the fact that the experience plays in her mind over and over again like a short video on a loop. These rather mundane moments must have resonated with her on some fundamental level and triggered certain emotional responses because in her paintings, we've almost never seen concrete subject matters. Instead, what we see is a representation of different thoughts, connections, and sometimes confusion that goes on in the artist's mind. In her introduction to this exhibition, Xie also talked about once buying a used book on human anatomy. What is surprising about that experience is that she didn't so much take inspiration from the content of the book, which is the structure of human beings, but rather on how the content can inform her own creations. She says she pays attention of how the various elements in the human body, the horizontal and vertical bones, the way muscles and sinews are connected, and that she gradually internalized these elements in her own visual memory and add those to her own visual vocabulary. Therefore, we can say that Ms. Xie Hongjun's process of observation is not a conventional one because she doesn't focus on the subjects that she sees. She tries to go one or several steps further and to extrapolate the abstract meaning behind the objects. And once she does so on canvas, what she ends up painting isn't a representation of anything in the real world, but rather symbols. Symbols that represent the intricacies of different matters, symbols that represent the nature and the essence of things, and symbols that represent the connection among different elements. So when she talks about reading books on the human anatomy, or how she frequently observes her dog when it chews on the raw meat and the drops of water on leaves, she's not just paying attention to these things when they come to pass. She is registering the information in her as a series of abstract symbols. So when she paints, she doesn't paint real-world objects or to use the interplay among these objects to portray certain emotions or logical connections. No, what she does instead is to paint the emotions and connections directly on canvas. In a sense, we could say that Xie has not just challenged the convention of the medium of oil painting, she has bypassed the route that many painters have had to go through. She doesn't really try to project the significance of certain emotions and sentiments in life via concrete objects, like you normally see in a house painting or a landscape painting. But instead, she has tried to forge a new path and project her thoughts directly onto canvas. I understand that it's been a rather long and theory-heavy episode, but I feel that there is a need to really dive into the mind of the artist to truly develop a reasonable understanding of her work, 
which is unique and abstract in the best possible way. In the following weeks, we'll look at more of her paintings and see how she crafts her work to express her thoughts and feelings, what kind of techniques you use, and just outright, what do the paintings look like? Thank you for tuning in this episode. For Stroke of Light, I'm Jake Chen, and talk to you next week. yourself together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, hello, welcome to Feast Meets West. This is Ellen Chu. And this is Ellen Chu's friend, Andrew Ryan. All right. Just along for the ride. Okay. Because you're hanging out with superstars. Well, <laughs> it's all about work, you know. It is all about work. And you have some yes. interesting cases. You get to meet some very interesting people on the job, don't you? Uh, Yes. You know, actually, Will Smith is somebody that, you know, I have been following all throughout my life since teenager and then just last month she got to meet the guy when he came to taiwan which is incredible to promote his new movie gemini man right we're gonna i'm gonna ask you all about will smith in just a moment definitely but before we get into will smith i want to ask who else have you met through the years hosting live events and movies jackman you're buddy buddy with him man and claude van damme Jean-Claude? Yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Really? And the Gigolo Man. What What is he called? Oh, uh, Ace Bigelow. Right. Uh, Deuce Bigelow. A- right, right, right. Uh, what's, what's his, his name? name? <laughs> well, anyway, oh. you know it. Every, everybody knows him as, you know, Gigolo. Yes. Right? Uh, what is his name? I can picture him. Funny guy. And, okay. I'll tell you in just a moment. Keep talking. Richard Gere. Wow. Cindy Crawford. Were they here together? No, they were in a separate event. Interesting. Right. And also, I met some Academy Award winner. The the girl who, who wait, what's her name? <laughs> oh, no. Charlize Ther- Theron. You met her as yeah. well? Oh, by the way, Ace uh, Deuce Bigelow is Rob Schneider. Right, Rob yes. Schneider, yes. So of all the people that you have met um, mm-hmm. doing your work, who has left the biggest impression? I guess Hugh Jackman, because he was the one that, you know, we met actually on stage. Oh, doing wow. during the press conference, mm-hmm. and um, he actually, you know, requested 
me to fly to China and host the press conference wow, in China. Wow, you're kidding on me. On the spot. That's and amazing. And then he invited me and my husband to join him for dinner in Taipei.、Mm-hmm. And then he asked me, where should I go in Taiwan? And I said, well, you know, in Taiwan at this time, Time of night, you know, it's night market. Yeah. And, you know, everybody freak out. I think that that was the <laughs> first time any Hollywood star went through a night market. And people were just like taking videos and right. stuff, I'm so sure. Had, like bodyguards, you know, you know, protecting us, you know, all surrounded us, you know, walking through a night market. That's incredible. Right. But it was interesting. Yeah. And he was very down to earth. You know, just working with him, it felt that, you know, he's not only like very dedicated to his work. You know, he prepares for, you know, his interviews and, you know, he, he really, you know, take care of the people around him. That's great to hear that, like,、right. a big star、oh, is like an- that. Another person I work with is Tom Cruise. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he is very, you know, down to earth, too. Personable. Very personable. You know, he, he would, you know, kind, very kind that, you know, even after he walked off stage, he would walk back and shake your hands, you know, and say that thank you very much. Wow.、Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's great. I know. Good EQ. Good EQ. Anybody leave a terrible impression? Or most people like kind of on the job. I so they. I think, you know, if you made it to that. Position in Hollywood, you know, this is one of the characters that brings them there. Yeah. Very down to earth. Wow. Right. Well, we're going to be hearing a little bit more about your experiences in today's program. Shall we check out what's on our menu today? Sure. All right. So, in, in our, our first course, we get the inside scoop on Will Smith and hear about the event Ellen hosted for this movie. In our second course, we'll look at the foods he ate in Taiwan, and in particular, we're going to hear about the one that didn't make the cut bitter gourd juice.、Mm, Ew. Yes, I wouldn't take that either, okay? <laughs> in our third and final course, we'll be sampling bitter gourd juice. Plus, we'll tell you all about it, why it's good for you. That's right, but first, a song, and this is called Getting Jiggy. With it, and、right. this, of course, is by Will Smith. Big Willie Styles, all in it, getting jiggy with it, getting jiggy with it, getting jiggy with it, getting jiggy with it. You on the ball with your kid? Watch your step, you might fall trying to do what I did. Mama, uh, mama, uh, I'ma come close eye in the middle of the club with the rubber dub. Uh, no love for the haters, the haters. Mad cause I got floor seats at the Lakers. See me on the 50 yard line with the Raiders. Met Ali, he told me I'm the greatest. I got the fever for the flavor of a crowd pleaser. DJ play another from the prison, it's sure highness. Only bad chicks riding my whip. South to the west, to the east, to the north. Bump my hips and watch them go off. But go off and get shut short. And you don't stop in the winter order. Summertime. I mix it high. Getting jiggy with them. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. 850 IS if you need a lift. Who's the kid in the drop? Who else? Will Smith. Living that life, some consider a myth. Rock from South Street to 125. Women used to tease me, give it to me now, nice and easy. Since I moved up like Georgia Weezy. Cream to the max, I 
maximum. I'll be asking them, would you like to bounce with your brother that's platinum? Never see Will attacking them. Rather play ball with Shaq and them, flatten them. Like getting, thought I took a spell, but I didn't trust. The lady of my life, she hitting. Hit her with a drop top with the ribbon. Crib for my mom on the outskirts of Philly. You trying to flex on me? Don't be silly. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. First course. Alrighty, Ellen Chu. Yes. So tell me all about it. What was Will Smith here to do? Who did he come with? You know, how he, are you involved? He is just a you know a powerful person. I have to say, full of energy. You know, when it, wherever or whenever you see him, he is in full energy. It's incredible. We were watching some video of him when he was in Taiwan. Uh, yeah. We played a little bit of it at RTI, and he is just infectious, that energy. Right. You know, he, he comes out even before he comes out. It was like, you know, uh, before the press conference, they had a room where, you know, all the photographers would have the photo shoot first. So they introduced On Lee to come out first. You know, he's back there, you know, making sound effect. And then, you know, the movie company reminded me, like, please don't mention like Top Gun 2 because Jerry he is also the producer of Top Gun mm. which is uh, currently being made right now in process and they said you know they want to focus on the movie right so when I said okay welcome our producer Jerry right and then Will Smith in the back Top Gun Top Gun you that's know? hilarious and I was just like I, I looked at the movie company you know I'm like Hey, sorry, what sorry, can I do? You know, what can I do? He's, the star said the it. The star said it. He's back there screaming. Is it a different company or is it the same company? It should be the same company because Tom Cruise, when he came last time, he was with Universal too. So I figured this is Universal also. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. They just wanted to limit everything to be on Gemini Man. But the thing was that the star in the back was like screaming, oh, top my gun. goodness. And so when we welcome him, he's all like screaming, you know, and all energetic. So, you know, you, you feel the liveliness of him. Mm. You know, he, he is a person with, you know, chariz, chariz, charismatic, you know, character that, mm. you know, wherever he goes, you just feel like, wow, he is so energy. So he comes by it rightly, right? You know, he's, he's, it's the real deal. It's not an act. No, no, no. Where do you think he gets his energy from? I think, you know, ever since, you know, because I follow him since like Fresh Prince when I was a kid. Yeah. Right. So he was like this. Yeah. So he's just a, you know, boy that grew into a older boy. Yeah. Right. You know, he That's his personality. He will never grow old. His body must process food in a different way than mine does. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, when he's on stage, you know, you ask him question. He always has something funny. You know, he was... You know, the way he answers questions, it's, it's not the normal, like, you know, like, you know, spoon fed stuff yep. that, you know, people like their PR tell you to say this when they ask you this, you mm. know, it's kind of interesting because he has some, you know, really lively examples. Like he would start, you know, uh, imitating how Ang Lee, <laughs> you know, when he's like directing and he was a good imitator, you know. He, really? he played on Lee. I think he could really make it, mm. you know, believable. 
he's always like, you know, Ali, he's <laughs> in a low voice. And, you know, he's like, I'm really angry right now. You know, Will, <laughs> I'm really feeling frustrated today. And everything's not doing well. And I'm sorry that I've been very angry. And then Will's like, you know, and this is, this is, this is the angry director, you know, he's saying all this, you know, and he's feeling angry. I'm just like, whoa, you know, Ali, <laughs> you're never angry. If your angry looks like this, what does your like sad right, look like? <laughs> right, So, so it's kind of funny, you know, he, he's kind of like, you know, the high school friend that you had mm. in class that's, you know, always funny. Mm -hmm. So wherever he is, there's laughter. How old is Will Smith, do you know? He's 52. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. So he's, I mean, he's still got that kind of energy. <laughs> right. So that is like amazing. So, you know, just imagine like when we were kids, we saw like Fresh Prince always full of energy. Yeah. And we think maybe that's, you know, him on, on scene, right? Right, right, on right. On TV. But I think, you know, that's the real him. Because some people are like that, right? They're, they're so energetic when they're acting or they're on a show, but then, yeah. like, they need a lot of downtime, right? Exactly. But he's not. You know, yes, a lot of the, you know, people that we see in Hollywood, it's a little bit different from what they are on stage mm -hmm. and off stage, right? Mm. Because, you know, they're always full of energy on, on stage. Sometimes, you know, they're quiet, like, you know, off stage. But with Will Smith and Tom Cruise and Hugh Jackman, they're all mm. the same level. Wow. Yeah. So I guess to be a really big, huge megastar, you have to be able Natural to... Natural high all the time. Yeah. You know, and then at night, we were at the movie theater, and they had a red carpet. I didn't host that one, but, you know, I took my kids because they want to see him in person, mm. live. So I took him to the red carpet event, and then, you know, he was, like, shaking people's hand, you know, taking selfies with all the people along the way. And he really took care of his fans. Wow. Did your kids get to meet him? Uh, didn't really get to meet him in person, but, you know, my kids were in the red carpet first row. So, you know. Could see him up close. Could yeah. shake his hand. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, actually was shaking in their hand. They're like, whoa, Will Smith shook my hand. I'm just like, yeah. They never did that when I shake their hands. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I've been shaking, holding their hand all their life, right? <laughs> They're like, bad. I know. It's like, I shook Will, Will Smith's hand. How come you're not happy, right? That's amazing. I think it's so interesting because I, I like to think of myself as somebody who doesn't get starstruck. Right. And I don't usually, but when somebody has that kind of charisma or energy, it's really infectious. I think so, because, you know, this time he really spent several days here in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And it's all because of On Lee. Mm -hmm. You know, On Lee, on this, you know, whole promotion tour, I think, you know, basically every country, they only stay for maybe one or two days, press mm. conference, event, and then they leave, right? It's incredible. But for Taiwan, it's because they had a really good relationship working together. So it was kind of like, you know, coming to his friend's country. And mm. so only wanted to show him around. That's, That's why you had the night market and also the food tasting. So did Ang Lee go for all those things as well? Or yeah. was it? Wow. I think, I think they did. Wow. Wow. Right. wow. So That's it amazing. was him and his brother, mm -hmm. Ali Gang, you know, taking them around at the night market. Well, when we come back in our second course, we're going to talk about what they did at the night market. We're going to talk about what it means for stars to come and eat Taiwanese food. And is it just a show or is it more than that? We'll have the answer for mm -hmm. you in just a moment. Plus the food that made Will Smith say, Buhaohe, didn't yeah, taste very you know, good. His most perfect Chinese phrase, <laughs> Buhaohe. <laughs> <laughs>
That's awesome. All right, we're going to play a song. This one is called My Dream is to be a Rock Star. Much more to come when the feast continues. Let's do it. You're listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. Alrighty, we are back in the second course of today's feast. We're talking about Will Smith mm-hmm. and Taiwanese night markets. Now, he was here last month. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that uh, happened when he was here really stuck with us, uh, especially since you and I host a food show. Mm-hmm. He went to a night market, as a lot of Hollywood celebrities tend to do when they're in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this whole, like, bringing the, the Hollywood celebrities and trotting them around the night market and having them sample Taiwanese foods? How much of it is we want to introduce Taiwan? How much of it is performative? I think half and half. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, the Hollywood star themselves, you know, for being able to really uh, experience the culture and also to see how, you know, Taiwan looks like. Mm. This is great because normally when, you know, the movie company invites the Hollywood star, they just want them to stay in the hotel. Yeah, right. It's easier to contain them. You know? yeah, they yeah. would, you know, just take them to some VIP restaurants, you know, somewhere in the hotel. Or, you know, you, you could be taken by the car and go, like, underground and then go up on an elevator. So, you know, it's less security issues. The thought of walking through a night market with somebody who's famous, mm-hmm. I mean, Taiwan's a very safe place. Right. But just how crowded it is and, like, you know, you, it's hard to would, keep control of the situation. Right. And then you really need to have, like, you know, a lot of people, manpower to do mm. that, like, you know, bodyguards. Yeah. So so basically, uh, the safety and also, you know, just, just the safetyness of the crowd, too, because mm-hmm. you, you would have a lot of crowd going crazy maybe pushing you don't want people to get like trampled or exactly so you know this is something very uh risky for a movie company when they do a tour like this Mm. but the thing is that this time around it's not only promotion of the movie but also because the director is from taiwan Mm. so it's kind of like making taiwan the the, the hometown. Mm-hmm. It's like homecoming. Okay? Homecoming for the movie. Exactly. So this is something that we're proud of. Mm-hmm. So so the director and also the movie company wanted, you know, Will to spend a little bit more time here to understand the culture here. 
You know, it's almost something like you would think that the Tourism Bureau could get involved in and say like, hey. <laughs> I know, you know, but the thing, the most amazing thing that uh, Will said, like, was the first question was, uh, was, was answering the question I asked that six years ago when he came here for a promotion, a movie. That was like a very short promotion, like two days. Mm-hmm. And in the press conference, he said that the, the one director I want to work with is on Lee. Wait, this isn't when he came here with what movie? Well, uh, with his son. Okay, with his yeah, son. Yeah, with his yeah. son. It was the the movie that he played with his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot the name of the movie. And then at and the, during the press conference, he said he, he wanted to said, work. I want to come back to Taiwan and work with An Lee. Wow. So this is a dream come true. So I I asked him. I said, you know, actually, you were sitting in a press conference saying, calling out that you want to come back to Taiwan. And work with Don Lee. And I think someone heard your calling. And you're here, back here in Taiwan and working with An Lee. And he said, yes. So that's what the slogan should be for the Taiwan Bureau Tourism Board. Is, you know, the place where dreams come true. <laughs> that's what he said. After he said that, did the crowd just go wild? Yeah, it was I'm funny. Sure. It that's was really great. funny. I said, I will pass this, you know, slogan to the tourism board, you know, for you. That's fantastic. You know, he was repeating it. And then, you know, that was funny. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it meant a lot for him, you know, to come back here and to be able to really work with the director he wanted to work mm. with. So, you know, it was interesting. So he was here, was it with Pursuit of Happiness? Was no, that the name? No, no, no. It's the movie after that. Uh, Men in Black 2, After Earth. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's see. Um, six years ago. Six years ago. That's really yes. hard. So that would have been 2013. Yes, do your math, okay? I am looking with hard. Jayden, with Jaden Smith. Okay, let's see if we can find the name of the movie. Jaden Smith in Taiwan. While I'm looking, let's continue talking about um, Will Smith's okay. trip to the night market. Right, and you see photos of him holding this, you know, selfie, you know, camera all the way. I think, you know, this is something interesting because most of the people working on screen or in front of the camera you know don't really like to be filmed again or do Mm. selfies all the time unless they're forced to or they have to or required to but for for will smith he's doing it constantly he has a youtube cameraman Mm -hmm. he has his own selfie so he's filming all the time you know whenever he has something a feeling that he wants to express he goes to his camera. Wow. You know, or he takes out his selfie camera and starts speaking to, you know, you know, directly live stream. Wow, that's crazy. You know, it's just like, you know, he is Truman Show. Yeah, always on. Always on. Always you know, in the spotlight. Sharing, sharing his life, sharing his experience and, you know, talking to people. But how much of that persona do you think is the like is really him and how much of it is just like he's like I'm going to do my public face now? I think I think it's it's ninety percent. Wow, it's him. Wow, 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 wow. And he's not someone that can be controlled. I think. Mm, I think you're right. Right after Earth. After Earth is the name of the movie right. with Jaden Smith. Interesting. Right. Okay. So the thing is that you know he is the type of uh, person who really lives to be himself. Wow. Okay. Right. Goals. Goals yeah. to live up to. 
Right. So during his trip to the night market, he had a couple of different foods. Yeah, he had some fruit drinks and, you know, he had... Papaya and and watermelon. Right, he said papaya and watermelon is good, okay? But, you know, the bitter gorge, he's like, why would you even want to drink that? You know, it's like one sip, he said. Uh, That's hilarious. Bad tasting. Right. Uh, So we're going to be sampling that in just a moment. Oh, it says here he also had sesame oil chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a video of it. He like they set up a table in a restaurant, and like somebody from the next table is like videotaping him, and he's like, "Whoa!" Right. <laughs> I think this time they worked with a YouTuber and mm-hmm. also with a TV host. So mm-hmm. they did like a little segment with him to kind of like you know do some food tasting, but it was it was quite interesting. Hmm. Yeah. He also played those BB gun balloon games, which are very um, right, popular. Because in Gemini Man, he, he's supposed to be this, you know, this, this, this assassin. Marksman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he's supposed to be like the best assassin. I'm glad yeah. he did well when he played the game. Otherwise, really? He did well? Yeah. It says he wowed the crowd uh, okay. with every direct hit. All right. Great accuracy. Oh, wow. Go Will Smith. That's why yeah. he's doing it, not me. <laughs> All right. That's why he's Will Smith, okay? And right. not us. <laughs> he's not Andrew Ryan. Right. All right. We're going to go into another song. It's called Zhou Hua Jian de Yichi Chi Ku de Xing Fu. Okay. So it's kind of like, you know, we we are stuck together, working hard towards our happiness. Yes. It's like the, the happiness of of uh, facing difficult The bitterness things. of happiness. The, the happiness of facing bitterness together. How's that? Okay. Something like that. Something like that. It's, it sounds so bitter. So we're going to be sampling something bitter in our third okay. course. We'll see how happy we are when All we're right. done. Okay. All right. Back in a moment. Okay, we are back now in the third course of today's Feast Meets West. Hey, I thought it was like fresh bitter gourd juice. Well, that's one way to have your bitter gourd juice, Mm -hmm. but we decided to take the real deal, slice up some dried bitter gourd Mm -hmm. and put it in a cup and fill it with hot water. This is supposed to have restorative properties. It's supposed to be good for you, Alan Chiu. It's not that bitter, you know. Because I put a lot of water in it. Oh, okay. (laughs) So just a little idea of what this involves. It's loaded with iron, magnesium, potassium, calcium, and vitamin C. Mm. Also rich in dietary fibers, low in carbs. Makes it a great weight loss companion, they say. Wow. Uh, Now, in India, they say the Ayurvedic medicine... Tradition says that bitter gourd also has antiseptic blood purifying properties. Mm. It is a miraculous tonic to rev up the immunity system, cleanse the liver, and manage insulin bitter uh, levels as well. 
They also say it's a trove of antioxidants, rich in vitamins A and C, prevents premature skin aging, <laughs> diminishes wrinkles. I think this is just like, you know. You know about all this. <laughs> the water of life. The water of life. Okay. So, of course, you know, being a fresh fruit slash vegetable, it is going to be, it's going to have health properties. It's going to okay. be good for you. Whether it can do all of these things, um, I'm not so sure. But I love eating like, you know, the fresh bitter gorge and you just kind of like freeze it in the refrigerator, slice it, and then... You just eat it raw? Yeah, and then you eat it like a salad. It's not really bitter? You put, you know... Do you um, soak it in water? Soy, soy sauce. Soy sauce, uh-huh. And then you do chop a little bit of garlic. Mm-hmm. It's good. Do you let it... Do you like... Um, put it in water and let it soak up in, in the water a little bit first, or you just no, eat it fresh. Just do it fresh. And what about the outside? Do you peel it at all? No, or you, just, you don't. Oh. You just wash it. It's good. Wow, I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah, I love it. So then you end up with the salty, the bitter. Mm-hmm. Does it have any sweetness to it? A little bit aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Even with the tea right now, mm-hmm. if you drink it. The bitterness is not that strong because you put a lot of water, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the aftertaste, it leaves the palate sweet. It has a, what we call in Chinese, wei gan. gan. Yes. Oh, so nice. Just like tea, right? Because right. tea is also bitter or stringent. But, you know, I'm just wondering with all these, you know, good stuff, you know, bitter gourd juice, it gives you antioxidant. We should have like, they should have like read this to Will Smith first. He might have had more than one cup. Exactly. Yeah. Probably Gambe, I think he's quite healthy. He like it looks like he does like some good health foods. I think so. To keep fit like that uh-huh. and like toned. And then you know he's really naturally young, you know, mm. youthful. Yeah. It's like he doesn't have any aging signs. Hmm. Well, he might have some other uh, options at hand than I have. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't know. But, I think a different price point, right? You have you know those those you know natural inner beauty. Those aesthetic help. Yeah. Oh, yes. It usually you, you could tell, but mm. with him, it seems you know naturally. Mm. I guess you know he exercises. You know, I heard that he wakes up at five and do gym and everything. Qigong, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he does. I think he does. He does yoga. qigong. I think yoga, right? Um, we can I'm look doing it up. yoga now. I know. And look at you. You look amazing. I know. <laughs> oh. We will compare when I get to 52. Yes. Yeah. Which is years off. So yes. you got plenty of time. Exactly. Well, so that's our look at Will Smith and the drink that he had in Taipei. Yes. I think but... maybe they should have mixed it with some fruit juice as well. Apple or pineapple. Or, you know, sometimes they put a tint of lemon in there. Just to give it a bit of sourness, right. to take away from the bitterness, mm-hmm. distract you. But I think they just give him like pure. I think they did too. Yeah, you know, TV shows, you know, if they do that. That's like when stars come to Taiwan and they like definitely have to give him stinky tofu just to get a reaction. I'm surprised that they didn't give him stinky tofu. Been there, done that. You got to do different things, right? Right. All right. So write to us if you have any questions or comments you want to participate in our show. Right. It's PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. And email us at androo at rti.org.tw. Next Saturday on The Feast, join us for a look at the strange-looking silky chicken, which Marco Polo described as having black skin and the hair of a cat. Oh, my. Oh, my, indeed. I know. But before we go, we have one final song. It's called Bittersweet. Wow. All right. This is by Lenka. For Feast Meets Us, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. Bye-bye. Bye. Sugar-coated, there's so much to say.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.